This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss a turnaround in fortune against the Saints, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome to the show. Hello, sir. How you doing? Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's uh, becoming regular now. It's becoming different. It's like we're wearing new shoes now. Regular wins, expectations of wins, able to just turn up in other teams' backyards and decide we Get want the, the three points done. and walk away with those three points once upon a time not so long ago we'd gone nine games without uh, a win against Southampton now I believe uh, we've won three of the last four if I'm not mistaken and that run's going to continue let me tell you now listeners well we've won the last three how are you chaps what what's, what have you been up Very to well. last, cor- last correspondence from Phil Shaw he was in a jacuzzi which no wonder they nickname. Well, I, I managed nickname. to send us a beautiful <laughs> picture of a wonderful landscape, and still managed to send it with a restricted view. Yes, but uh, <laughs> more, more, more about this jacuzzi and the moniker of the UK. Yes, we we're I just we're a weekend away for the wife's birthday, and it just happened to coincide with the Villa game, unfortunately. So I had to take my phone and earbuds to the jacuzzi and keep them dry and let them <laughs> and follow the match as best I can. You do get some strange looks when you take a mobile phone to a jacuzzi. Yeah. See, that's, that's, you could, no one could call you a fair weather supporter. You know, when you've got to watch that game, you get in that damn jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened in the jacuzzi when uh, Watkins' winner went in? Did you splash oh, around? No, the, the, the <laughs> bubbles were doing everything for us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anything as exciting for you, Mr. Bud? <sighs> Nothing compared to that now. How do I top yeah. that? <laughs> just, just, just cracking, cracking on with work. First gig of the year on Friday, which was cold. But outdoors good. was nice it? Nice to be back into the swing of things. You what? Sorry. Outdoors was it? Yeah, terrace one. Luckily, I got moved indoors. Thank God. Anybody watched The Last of Us, which has started the show? I did. Uh, yes, I did. It's pretty good. Is it? <laughs> 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 I, I mean, it's interesting because I saw all the. Greatest show ever. Five out of five. Amazing. Incredible. Makes Walking Dead look like a pile of dog turd. The first episode of The Walking Dead I thought was a bit more exciting to create the world. And Fear of the Walking Dead's more of a closer, because that's like when it's kicking off. 
the uh, contagion or whatever you want to call it. Although this, The Last of Us does jump, uh, I don't want to do spoilers, but it kind of jumps 20 years. Yes, it does. But I think the problem is most of the reviewers, you'll see, will probably have played the, the video games and the storyline of them is pretty good. So they're, I think they're, they're sensing right. where it's going to go. They're, they've probably uh, had the first two or three episodes as well uh, in advance to review off. Because the first one, you know, when I when I saw all this kind of uh, hyperbole, I'm thinking, really? <laughs> but uh, we, I will watch the second one and then we'll adjourn uh, in the next show to discuss if it's getting closer to the hyperbole. But I did not, for the record, play the game, so I am not emotionally invested in that world. So apologies for that. Right, onwards. We should start off with some news, as per usual. Uh, shall we go for the news that the second man on the moon... Buzz Aldrin has married for the fourth time, aged 93. Or shall we have the villain news? I'm sure he's over the moon, but let's go with the villain news. <laughs> <laughs> Round of applause for that one, Mr. Bird. Very good. Right then, uh, into the villain news we go. Right, first off, uh, injury news. A few players came back for Southampton, obviously. One of them, the goal scorer. Thank God he was fit because selling Ings would have been a bit of a foolish endeavour. Augustuson is fit again. So I think he will... Which is weird because that injury looked horrendous, didn't it, at the time? Yeah. So it really depends on Dean. But if Dean's going to be back for Leicester, then maybe uh, Augustuson will move on. Obviously, it was in Villa's interest to have him sticking around for the Saints game because Lucas Dean was sidelined so uh, expect mm-hmm. an announcement of termination uh, there in terms of his loan <laughs> extermination <laughs> uh, Dean and McGinn they've been penciled in for Leicester so hopefully that will happen and of course the long term one that we eagerly await Diego Carlos is uh, around back on the grass but he's not involved in uh, teamwork at the moment so uh, that would suggest uh, four six weeks minimum i would say yeah you'd have to you'd have to get a couple of games under his belt when he with 23s or whatever it's yeah. going to be in terms of transfers duran duran as we call him on this show dejon duran he's got a very long he's name got about five names hasn't he yeah yeah is in. He came in before Ings went out. Meanwhile, Freddie Gilbert is out, and it looks like old Morgan Sanson is following him to Strasbourg. We've seen that uh, Lequit has actually confirmed this. So Sanson is uh, on loan for the rest of the season. Doesn't seem to be uh, an option to buy deal, but Strasbourg will be paying a, a hearty chunk of his wages. The Guendozi rumor seems to be gathering heat yeah it looks like they've have um you know marseille have supposedly bought what could well be his replacement so it might be that they're just getting their ducks in the row before they let villa have one of their prize assets which would be the logical thing for a team to do villa yeah you would think wouldn't wouldn't you mm-hmm. <laughs> buy in advance to replace the outgoing player just just an idea well, could they call work. it succession planning as they call it in business yeah i think i think it is i think it is we talked about uh, ings's leaving on the uh, something for the weekend show so uh, check that out uh, rather than uh, duplicating uh, what we're going to say i did actually watch uh, the majority of the aston villa women's team take a point off manchester city could have easily won that game uh, to be fair probably one all was a fair result uh, at the end Manchester 
Manchester City had a good, couple of good chances. But this is a different beast of uh, Aston Villa women's team now. Nobs and Staniforth have definitely taken us up another level. It allows uh, Darley just to freely roam and uh, force the issue, and she's got a good goal. But uh, fifth place now, and listening to the manager's interview after, I think the club have set a target, and I think Clara, the manager, is, I think her target is above that, which is fifth. So I'm sure the club have set, like, I don't know, sixth, seventh, top half, whatever. Mm-hmm. But promising signs there, and they're, they're not bad to watch, actually, as well. Meanwhile, uh, Aston Villa are out of the Youth Cup after a 4-1 defeat to Southampton. Chris Bird has already uh, written them off and buried the youth team. Uh, <laughs> so where any, chance, any, any, any chance he, he's had, he's been just, if he's not hitting them with a crowbar, he's digging them a grave. It's, uh, it's Although, to be fair to him, Caden Young's come out of it with his first pro contract. So, But uh, there's a lot of room for improvement. But Much respect to Southampton. They were excellent. To and they do have a decent uh, pedigree in, uh, in terms of academy. And uh, as just mentioned there by Chris, uh, Caden Young gets his first pro contract and has featured on the, the bench recently. He's, he's kind of quite uh, powerful for his age. He's more developed than everyone else. Yeah, that's what kind of makes him stand out, even at the youth team level. Um, yeah, he's like a mini Traore, isn't he? Not, not as well, you know, he's, he's not applying no. baby oil and he's not as sculpted, <laughs> but he's got that kind of, he can He reminds charge. me, actually. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit more of a winger version of sort of like a uh, Doris Vassell or someone like that. Yeah. He's quite stocky with it. He's not like really tall, but he's, he's he's pretty developed. So you think he's he's the closest of the of the really young lads to, to kind of, you know, stepping up. And and his ascendancy is, is basically been under Emery's eyes as well. Yeah. Right. Before we go on, I just want to give a big shout out to the My Man Said members as per usual. I don't actually have the list of the new people who signed up in the last few days, but uh, I will read you out in next week's show. But uh, a big thank you for joining us. If you are uh, annoyed by listening to uh, ads on the podcast, this is the one surefire way of getting rid of them all and just having uh, the purest experience of listening to the show as well as ad-free shows you also get extra shows which in the next few days will include uh, the mad few question and answer session for the month and you get membership of match club our exclusive private members club which met uh, for the uh, southampton game it's good because it basically uh, you get to know everybody and it's kind of like watching games with family is it not but a good family family that doesn't wind you up and piss you off maybe your family's better than mine so I'm, I'm just speaking just from my own experience but uh if you want to support the show but also have a let's say a more enjoyable experience and uh, extra shows and ad-free listening please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the members link to get more details and join us there and also if you look on the, the bio of most of the social media of my said there will be a link to our link tree where you'll be able to uh, get access to the patron to sign up there as well thank you very much all right let's get straight into this game shall we as i said at the top of the show recent times we have reversed the nine games without a win against Southampton. Unfortunately, Dean Smith met his demise probably the last time we got beat by Southampton, was it not? Yes. Yes. But kind of since then, uh, it's been a, a three-point jolly, has it not? Yep, since the days of crybaby Matt Target. <laughs> what was at stake here? Well, essentially, Saints were three wins back-to-back. Villa had yep. a chance of winning three away games on the trot. Emery was... Uh, 
100% away from home, be it only over two games in the league. And also there was this statistic that nobody has got more points than Villa uh, since Emery's started. Not something you're that bothered about. There's also the, uh, the they were playing in the black and yellow third kit, which we've never won in. These are minor details. The, the main thing was uh, to beat a team that looked like it had uh, turned things around, but also to keep our momentum. Because the, the biggest thing for me was you can see the league table about to be split up in two because there's a gap forming. And Villa are in this situation where they got to decide which half of the league they want to finish in, really. And to win this would bridge the gap, put four points or so below us, and then if you beat Leicester, I think you're pretty much off to the races in terms of the top half. Although you've got the small issue of having play Arsenal and Man- Manchester City back to back. But you've got to keep racking up the points if you want to get on. And uh, so I think this and the Leicester game is pivotal in terms of making Villa a top half team. And certainly we can start looking upwards rather than, you know, just around us and uh, below us. Because the season is still alive, is it not, if we uh, win games like this? The reality of Villa is we've been dropping points against teams that are in the bottom six. And that's really, over the last Mm -hmm. few seasons, compromised our progress. So that was another reason why this game was kind of psychologically important. And I I, I thought as well, because we had that little break having got out of the cup, you wanted to go into sort of a two-week break having put points on the board against Leeds and Southampton, knowing that you can really knuckle down, do your business that you need to do in the you know, towards the end of the window and then, you know, really go into Leicester battle ready for the rest of the season. Yep. In terms of the starting lineup, predictable, isn't it? I, th- I don't think many it's Villa itself, fans... It's it really, because there's no one around. Yeah, no <laughs> Villa fans would have been and, surprised. Uh, to be fair, to... it's pretty much our strongest team, though, on paper, you'd say. There's not too many who you'd sort of get rid of to put in, I wouldn't have said. Well, you couldn't really. I mean, when you look on the bench, that's that was the clue, wasn't it? It was like, oh, well, it has to be these guys, really. I don't yeah. think nobody's making the the uh, argument for Coutinho over Buendia anymore. I mean, you could tell that when, when Buendia got substituted in the second half for Coutinho, he, did, he was a bit pissed off, wasn't he? He, he was <laughs> I like probably, that, think, that he probably to. thinking those days are going to be over. Yeah, well, the only the only other one that uh, we've, you, we've ta- you talked about in some for the weekend is um, Young in front of Cash. Cash is back and ready, but you wouldn't pick him over Ashley Young at the minute. Young's been one of our best players, like period. Yeah, ever since that Manchester City game at Villa Park, where if it was anybody who embodied you know how we and why we got to the the draw there it was Ashley Young and you know we said it on the show then it's like you, you can't see Cash playing above Young at the moment there's just overall no way so it's an interesting one I don't know how much I uh, look into this speculation about Cash potentially moving on that only happens if Emery's actually bringing in another right back because Ashley Young's not going to, he's not a long term, is he? He's, he's 37, no. he's not going to play forever. So either Cash is considered good enough for what Emery envisages in the future, or uh, if he gets moved on, probably the reason would be Emery in, in that respect. And I don't think it's because a bigger team comes in, with the greatest respect to him right now. Yeah. First half, is it 72% possession Villa had? Did it feel like that to you? We were in control. Yeah, we, we pretty much did everything bar score. Um, and obviously, they had the ball in the net, didn't they? With the well, we, well, it was offside. Well, both of them were offside. But other than that, Villa just commanded commanded the ball. It was it was really good to see us actually playing with a little bit of verve at times. And, and some of the interplay, sort of in the final third, was great to see that they've obviously been sort of working on that. We, you know, we've been a little bit critical of that recently, but um, I thought they did well. First ooh, twenty minutes, I was thinking, yeah, this might could be nil nil one of them but then what you just talked about there was a bit of zip in in the interplay 
coming up towards yep. uh, let's say the second third of the first half, and you thought, hey, actually, I don't, you know, I think we can uh, do something here because the way they were playing, it wasn't kind of token gesture stuff. It was at speed, no, not at all. And they were they were carving up opportunities. I mean, some of the finishing, yeah. let's say, not not quite there yet, but. And there weren't like real huge chances. I mean, you know, there's the, I think it's a Ramsey shot. The keeper makes the save that he should make. Bailey kind of smashes the rebound into Rosette, but which can happen. I was, I was really pleased it, what to do you mean see. It can happen. It does happen. <laughs> it, well, can and does. <laughs> Trademark. Um, yeah, true. I'm, I'm being, I'm being generous to him. Um, I was really pleased to see again after Leeds how much Moreno was getting involved. He was the out ball. He was the overlap. He was getting involved. He was driving us up the pitch. Admittedly, I think that was because Southampton were probably letting him, which they didn't in the second half. I think our fullbacks got involved a lot more in the first half. But I thought he had a really good half offensively. I, th- I thought I thought the midfield three looked really tidy. I thought Southampton were doing pretty well at closing down spaces mm-hmm. and you know defending in a couple of banks and and they were organised to be fair, pretty tight and organised. It wasn't like you know remember that time they came to Villa Park and were open and we just cut them apart like ribbons. They were 4-0 down. 3-0 down at our time, yeah. So Nathan Jones of uh, Bananarama fame uh, has kind of got them organised and he's now playing a 4-2-3-1 and and he saw uh, Ward-Prowse as predicted, as we we were saying in the uh, something for the weekend. That has been the main change is this 4-2-3-1 and Prowse playing further forward behind... The, the forward in a kind of a 10 role and that's we actually said that actually he's done our kind of homework for us and just by mm. playing as we naturally do that is we are nullifying what we would always consider their main threat because he'd be in the Kamara zone there and yeah. he didn't get a sniff first half did he, he didn't that's get where near. I want him yeah Exactly, because he, he is he's noticeably their best player. I think Ward Prowse is a very good player. I mean, Everything goes through him, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, if Villa could have got him that time, obviously you would have taken him. But like you said, you didn't see a lot of Kamara either because the two of them sort of like nullified each other. That was that was Kamara's rule. You did see a lot more of Douglas Louise in this game. I mean, he was he was almost taking the piss, Douglas Louise, with some of the, the passing that he was doing in this game. There was a lot of the flicks and things that he normally does, but they were, they were hitting home. They were going to the right place. And mm-hmm. like I said, he... he I think he created more chances than than anyone else in the game, including I think he had a couple for himself. He should have done better with, especially one yeah. that he had in his left. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he got you know he got the got the assist for the goal in the second half. I think he's he's got an understanding going with Kamara now. I mean, Kamara sort of took the plaudits against Leeds, I think, in this game because Kamara was you know Shepherd and Ward Price for most of the game. It was Louise who had a bit of freedom, and there was there was like no Southampton counterpart to sort of like sit in Louise. He he had a bit of freedom to roam and try and link up with Wendy and the other ones just to sort of like yeah. link the attacks. And I think he always flourishes Louise or players like that as well. When 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 you don't have someone right on top of you, you've kind of got a little bit of time to look up and pick your pass. And he was sort of popping it around across the field. He was um, switching the play a little bit. It helps when your opposition's got a striker who uh, has never scored against Villa. And I think it was 13 games before this one. Shea Adams, obviously the ex-Blues boy. You saw the offside goal in the first half, the mess he made of that. I mean, he was offside as well for the first, but to trip over it. And then Martinez didn't know what to do because he doesn't expect a striker six yards out to trip over the ball. And then that's how... (laughs) <laughs> was it Walker Peters put, put it in yeah, after Walker that? Peters taps it in, doesn't he? I mean, to be fair to him, Shea Adams has done all right, hasn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. When he's been at Southampton, in terms of better than you probably expected, but uh, can't see him ever scoring against Villa. Well, not if they go down. Well, there you go. 
It's the basis of my judgment. Mention uh, Moreno. Do you think Emery would look? We're just mentioning the Cash Young situation. Do you think Emery would look at something, somebody in a similar profile to play on the right hand side? Long term, yes. Maybe not yet. I think Ashley Young is actually the both the player and the personality we need there right now. Yeah, I, I think because he's defensively, he's, he's definitely defense defensively, he's better than Moreno and Cash. Attacking wise. I think he's more consistent than Cash in terms of his delivery. But Cash gives you more dynamism. But Young is in such good physical shape that you can easily play him every week. And the the big thing is, I just think his personality, his sort of leadership, leading by example, and all that sort of stuff, the more intangible things that aren't in the stats, you need to play him at the moment. I think he helps the communication with the back four. I think he probably makes Konza better, Mings better. I think Martinez... Is probably even calmer with him there. I think he's yeah. probably the one who was shouting at Louise and Kamara in front. He's like your sort of, you know, if, if Martinez is your captain by armband, Young is the guy who sort of leads by example and is the vocal one who, I've used the word conduit quite a few times in the last year with him, where he's the, he's the link between the management and the, and the players, which you do need. I remember last season uh, when certain numpties were... Uh let's say undermining him and I, when he you know i think he played midfield at one say i think he came on and he set up what, what game did he set up a goal when he came on in midfield the brighton one jared jared's first game he came on that set was up it. he had a great run yeah. didn't he from like left back position right through and he, he fed uh, and i think that was he? the moment where he just shut up all the numpties who were just going oh too old you know he's past it basically lazy parroting that said young has surprised pretty much us all i would say with this season's contribution and i'm really i'm really pleased for him because whatever he goes on to do post villa which i think he'll i think he'll get another year personally oh because normally with players, you'd always say, don't go back, don't go back. And Villa have a history of a couple of people doing that and you just return and it's dreadful. You know, then look at Ronaldo at United for, as, an, as a modern example. Uh, Gordon Cowens did now it. Go was, down that was all right. Much later in his career, wasn't it? Was it sort of 93, 94 he came, he came back, back? Came back three times or twice. Yeah. And, and Second last, time was good because that was when he got us promoted and he was in a decent team with Platt then. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry, we digress. Young Young will now, he probably wouldn't have before, but he definitely will now. He will go down as a bona fide Villa legend, which I think is really good. Even though he hasn't won a trophy or anything, I think the fact that he's come back and done such a good job, his stock's kind of gone back up yeah. with the yeah. fan base. He's a real fan favourite again. A different player came back. It's like that—that's the thing that I really noticed about Young. I mean, you know, the slight tricky winger went to United and went on the yeah. great things. But what you got back was like this battle-hardened sort of utility man, wise sort of man, like yeah. level shit out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some fans were maybe disappointed when he came back, thinking, "Oh, you know, we're not getting the player that left." But it's kind of like, no, we're we're paying him for the player he is now, which is to to sort of paraphrase a line from Moneyball. Villa bought him in to do what he is now, and he's a. Solid right back, but he's also a utility man, a great pro. Physically, he probably can still go toe-to-toe with any of them doing a bleep test, I'm sure. And he's got so many assets that these, stats, that these stats boys can't quantify because it's They're got all intangible things, aren't they? Yeah. It's great. And I think he's been the difference in a lot of games, even without us knowing. Well, against Manchester City, that was the first example, yeah. bona fide example. Suddenly yeah. as a crowd uh, at the ground, you thought, well, actually, let's all channel the spirit of Young here. After he mm-hmm. poleaxed De Bruyne, 
you just thought, well, we might get something out of this game. And I love the reaction against Leeds when he absolutely flattened their nippy little fucker on the wing, didn't he? Absolutely yeah. <laughs> pole-axed him into the Doug Ellis that was greeted like a goal. And I like that about him. He gives us an aggression that we maybe we didn't have last year. Him and Martinez are two guys I feel for when Villa get knocked out of these cups early doors because you're thinking, if we're going to win a cup, it, it just helps rubber stamp their efforts, uh, especially this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you're saying about Young never won anything at Villa. He and Martinez, probably out more so than any of the other starting eleven. it would mean more to win a trophy mm. with Villa yep. than yep. than any of them, really. Yeah, but I bet, despite all the things Young has seen in his career, he's he's never been hauled off the pitch because of somebody flying a drone over his head during the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good a good segue. segue good segue. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bizarre one. I always remember reading about this protocol, about if there's a drone, game's off, lads. And you just think, well, why? And will it ever happen? And there it was. Have we got to the bottom of this? Do we know whose drone it was? People have accused me it being my my drone, (laughs) but uh, I can categorically say it wasn't. Do we know who, where? No. No. I'll uh, I'll, uh, see if I can find out. I have sources. In the drone world. <laughs> well, we do know it wasn't Nanny McPhee, considering how the free kick went after, <laughs> yes. the, after God, the drone yeah. break. Got the panoramic view. We were joking on Match Club that uh, it was Nanny McPhee's drone. He's measuring out the wall. And he bought himself nine, ten minutes to prepare for that free kick. And I think Young, we just gave Young the big up, and he was a bit slouchy, <laughs> wasn't he, on that free kick? Didn't he roll it? Was that the one that tried to roll it through to Bailey, or they rolled it yeah. short to Bailey? Bailey passes it on, and it all goes to shit. Yet later in the game, of course, we, we got a set piece. And what did we do? We just put the ball into an area. <laughs> yeah. So you can't really give that one to Nanny McPhee. But, uh... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss picture the scene all of your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mug delivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a mcdelivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com it was one of those where as long as you were still asking questions you felt you would get it but at the same time southampton had it in the net and you kind of thought oh shit we're gonna we might have to be fighting for a draw here because you felt we'd get a goal in this game but uh talk me through it it was the ramsey one wasn't it yeah well it, it came from moreno's side so that's the first sort of slight black mark against yeah, him Buendia um, got absolutely 
cooked, didn't he, on the wing? Yeah, the the ball comes into the box and at first glance, El Nussi has lightly nudged Jacob Ramsey in the back with his yeah. arm and Ramsey's fell over. Ball goes out the ward prize and it deflects off Konza into the net. But luckily, on closer inspection in VAR, what has actually happened is El Nussi has just sort of trodden on Ramsey's Achilles down the back as well as nudging him. So and a lot of people didn't pick that up at the time. When you saw the replay finally, you saw it, but everybody was talking about the nudge. Uh, yeah. You know, even on social media after, but it was only uh, later that the penny dropped. They didn't actually see him uh, stand on the back of him on his Achilles. Yeah, and on social media as well, people were saying, "Oh, wait until you know that's seen and match the day later." I can't wait until they they look at that later. And then, of course, match the day it was looked at later and go, "Everybody just went, yeah, correct decision. He stood in his Achilles. Yeah, yeah. no problem." So yeah, it was one, it was one of those ones. It was at, at the time of the game, it felt a bit like a sucker punch because Villa were sort of like getting us getting back into being on top. I mean. Just previous to that, there was Martinez, a good, great save from Armstrong with his right foot. It was a good but save, that one. You, you still felt that Villa were in the ascendancy. If, if anybody was going to score, it was going to be Villa. And then that, that did feel like a sucker punch whenever you yeah. thought it was going to be that, good. That, it was almost a throwback. You felt like you're in a time machine going back a few months. Yes. <laughs> out yeah, out yeah. of the Emery revolution, back to the dark medieval times of Villa throwing games away having uh, yep. played reasonably decently. And to be fair, you know, Southampton have had momentum of beating Man City and the Everton win the week before. They they you know they had they had a bit of a go, but I just I had in the back of my head I was thinking this might have a bit of a smash and grab written all over it and I, and in the end it kind of I wouldn't say smash and grab because I think we we deserved to to actually win the game for the way we played over the whole 90 minutes, but you thought we'll get a chance here as you said and I was kind of confident that when it came we'd take it because you could just see how the game was going at Southampton and especially the fans they were getting so frustrated with decisions not going their way which were fouls you could just tell it was one of those very emotional performances yeah. where it's kind of a bit blood and thunder and you're just losing your heads a little bit and just going in extra hard and then they gave the you know the free kick away and kind of lined up in a in a good position for Douglas Louise who whips a you know whips a great ball in for for Watkins pretty, who, pretty who, rudimentary was, you know, wasn't it yeah, yeah, it really was. was. Good header, good goal. And I was, I was really pleased for Watkins because I, I actually thought, as much as he didn't have chances or anything, I thought he worked so hard in the game. And with you know, the, the sort of narrative around Ings going, the pressure would have been on his shoulders a little bit. Um, he'd obviously been injured before. And I think he's obviously had a little bit of criticism recently for yep. not being particularly clinical. And I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased for him that he got the, well, what turned out to be the winner. Going back to your prognosis of had a slight feel of uh, smash and grab. I, I I agree with that because the tone of this show is it's kind of fairly blasé about you know we've turned the corner and we're and we're a different team now. But there were some fine margins in that game. The decisions, as, you know, we're talking like centimeters, well, yeah, against Leeds as well. So we're not quite there where we're smoking cigars where, while we're controlling the game. It's still it's just we're we're looking better and. Let's say we're creating better look for ourselves because we're putting in the in the work, but hmm. uh, it's not comfortable domination at the moment, for want of a better term. But the wind's in our direction, shall we say? But just going back to the referee decision, I thought pretty much all the decisions, even though they were kind of there's a lot of fractional ones. I, for the main, I thought it was uh, all the decisions were pretty right on. I'd agree with that. You know, we said a few times to Winder Gerard that when you don't do the simple things, you aren't going to get those breaks. And when you get, you know, I think it was the West Ham game where we kind of pissed around a lot and we lost to a deflected goal. And when you get those little breaks, when when you don't do simple things right, you aren't going to. But at the moment, I think Villa are because they're showing good endeavour. They're trying to play the right way and they're actually putting their bodies on the line and doing that sort of the, the dirty work. 
you know, compared to yeah. sort of, you know, the, the, the New Year's Day trip to Tottenham where, you know, um, Olsen in goal that day barely had a thing to do. Um, and that really was a bit of a walk in the park, very surprisingly. I think Southampton and the Leeds game were real hard-fought victories. But for me, that's a big green flag. that Actually, they can win like that because that's something we haven't been doing enough of in the last couple of years. Phil, uh, decisions... Wingy Saints fans. Yeah, I think the decisions in this one, the, they were all correct. I mean, this. I mean, Villa have been on the the wrong end of plenty of decisions to know whenever it's one of these, and it's like oh, on another day that could have went a different way. But luckily in this one, the decisions were all correct. But what I would say is, um, if Olsen had been in nets in this game, I don't think Villa would have won it because Martinez had a had a great game. Whether it was sweeping it out from long balls coming in or the 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 two saves that he made, especially the last one, because that was a carbon copy of the goal that Saudi Arabia scored against him when he was in Argentina in the World Cup. Exactly, same point in the box and, and same top corner. He did well with his feet. I remember, uh, I'm not Danny Murphy's biggest fan. It was, I think, their their analysis of his work with his feet was really good. You know, obviously made the, the save from Armstrong, played out from the back really well. You just, you can just tell everybody in front of him is a lot more confident when he's there compared to Olsen. Yeah, and from what we've seen and stuff, he doesn't shut up during the game. He's probably the best communicator on the pitch. Yeah, him and Mings uh, for sure. Right, so a little bit more Villa. Chat later on, but now it's time for Media Muppets. Right, what's in the uh, Media Muppet trough this week, Mr. Shaw? Oh, it's former Blue Nose Baroness Karen Brady writing in the sun. What a duo that is already, to have Karen Brady and something from the sun, so we're you're in Muppet territory. Blue Nose Baroness. That's it. I like that title. <laughs> yeah. She's showing a bit of hypocrisy talking on the subject of parachute payments. Now, with West Ham in their relegation zone before the weekend, I wonder why the subject of parachute payments would be so close to her heart. She actually writes, this is her words from the piece there, there's a demand parachute payments are drastically cut, but these calls are from people who do not understand football finance. I mean, there's a bit, a bit of condescending to everyone that says the, the demand should be cut. This is West Ham with their £120,000 a week reserve keeper, Areola, on the bench. Not to mention their uh, taxpayers-funded stadium. Oh, we'll get on to that. <laughs> um, she also she also just throws a bit of casual xenophobia in it for good measure as well. She goes, some of us, well, the English of us, have concerns about the increase of foreign players and managers irresistibly tempted by the Premier League. I mean, I don't think we need to go down the list of West Ham signings to say that they haven't all been just, you know, from, from the local London area. So I, I don't think she has much of a leg to stand on there. She says, if you cannot count on parachute payments, you cannot take on new players' contacts in the Premier League, which means you will not only be uncompetitive and likely relegated, you will contribute nothing to the competitiveness of the division well to that I would argue well hello Brentford and Brighton they managed to buy their own stadiums as well and they didn't get a taxpayer's gift and they're you know two examples of you buy low you sell high and you you run an effective business top half at the moment yeah I mean, the most hypocrisy thing about this is whenever you think back to Villa's first season, they were promoted just before Villa's very first game back in the Premier League in 2019. I remember Brady put another piece out saying that Villa's spending was reckless and it wasn't the way to compete in the Premier League, that Norwich's spending model was the one to go for. And she said they would finish higher than Villa. So times change when you're down near the bottom of the league. Everything goes out the window. This is a person who decided it was a good idea many years ago to employ Barry Fry, though. Let's not, <laughs> let's not bring up... Bazaar into the uh, scenario. I've got a question <laughs> for you. I'd love West Ham to go down, mainly for her and the others. And, uh, <laughs> but Villa would be three million lighter 
because they wouldn't get that three million bonus off the Danny Ings deal. So that's the question. Would you rather West Ham go down and wave goodbye to that three million and you know take it on the chin, or them Am to I stay allowed, up? Uh, them to stay up. Am I allowed Villa to, keep... to be places higher in the league? No, no. This is we're, this is all about the three mil. Is is three? Is it worth West Ham to go down for three million? Is essentially the yeah. essence of the question. I I say yes, most definitely, because West Ham are one of those teams <laughs> that have, if they got their act together with that taxpayer stadium that all of us are paying for, that they have a good you know project. If you want to use that term, somebody could turn them around. And we haven't done great against them in recent times either. No, no. So it's worth them getting relegated for three million. Are we all agreeing on that? Yeah, sorry, Danny. Get them relegated for an Augustinson or something like that. Yeah, three million, no problem. Right, I'm glad we we sorted that one out. So uh, Danny Ings will now forever be wrote about as the 12 million transfer and not the 15 million transfer. He will be (laughs) eternally called the parachute payment. Any media nuggets (laughs) for us, Mr. Shaw? Just just a small one from Lekeep, which is turning into a sort of a source of information. The only paper I read nowadays. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> you may have noticed that there was an exhibition match between Lionel Messi's Paris Saint Germain and Cristiano Ronaldo's Riyadh All Stars. Where did this game take place? I wonder where. Oh, I wonder. But there was just one tidbit that Lekeep took out of it. The fee for PSG to appear in this was actually called a compensation fee, was <laughs> ten million euros to appear in this match but of, of course that'll go straight into their FFP calculation considering the same paper reported that they made a record net loss of 369 million euros last season let's move on to the three points we'll quickly blast through those the Deloitte Money League uh, has been published again with uh, Aston Villa coming in 21st uh, again the uh, yearly report looks at the amount of revenue generated by the world's top football clubs Last year, I think we had it on the show, didn't we? Where they made the top 20, yeah. but then AC Milan asked for a recount, which knocked Villa out. We're getting to the point where the, the, all the Premier League clubs will take the, the places eventually, and unless, uh, well, maybe not. Uh, I think Real Madrid are second, aren't they, in, in this? But you've got Newcastle getting in there. They're above Villa, and they'll, they'll stay in that top 20 for a, a long time, I'm sure. Liverpool, for the first time ever in it, earned more than Manchester United in revenue, which was down to them getting to the Champions League final. That was worked out at about a hundred, just over $100 million for getting to the Champions League final. So that's how much revenue that brings in. I mean, in, in a nutshell, the financial superiority is it's it's just lit. That top 20 is littered with Premier League clubs and Manchester City were top with uh, 619 million. I think that's the first time they've been top. In comparison, Villa have generated 185 million, point one, slightly up uh, from the pre- previous season by uh, three, four million. But, uh, you know, less than a third of what Manchester City have uh, generated. uh, Shows where the gap is, which we've spoken about before. Yeah, point number two, the old lady in Italy back. Again, in trouble. Dubious issues again. Juventus have been docked 15 points following an investigation into the club's past transfer dealings. Is this when they were banned (laughs) before? (laughs) (laughs) They've been uh, accused of fixing their balance sheets. I mean, uh, I think every club does this to a certain extent by artificial gains from club transfers. Juventus had been in third place, but the penalty will drop them to 10th. See you later, Champions League money. Yeah, club board of directors resigned back in uh, November. 
Juventus have denied any wrongdoing and will appeal. Uh, the actual uh, sanction of 15 points is uh, actually tougher than the nine-point deduction uh, prosecutors had requested. But uh, I think this is Don't because like of previous... <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. because of previous, you know, you can't just keep being sordid operators yeah. and expect to get away with it and uh, not to be uh, shut down. Anyway, point number three, uh, the white card has been used. You know the red card, you know the yellow card, but the white card has been used for the first time in Portugal. Sporting Lisbon and Benfica's women teams were both shown a white card during their fierce derby match after a new rule in Portugal was introduced. Tell me, Phil Shaw, what the hell is a white card? Moster, <laughs> because you're already, I'm already tainted by what I think of it. The white card has been introduced for fair play. It's, it's a new initiative that they're bringing in along with concussion substitutes and the longer injury time that you, you saw in the World Cup. So they just sort of like threw all these sort of like new things out and see which one sort of works and which one sticks. But I, I can't see it working. What's the, the, what, what, this what, one, what's the advantage of getting one? There is no advantage other than the, the acclaim of your... Your peers, I would say, because the, the, there's a video going around of this one that was both medical teams ran onto the field after a player fell ill, leading to the referee showing both medical teams a white card and the crowd started clapping. That That's basically it. So, I mean, it'd be more interesting if, uh, I mean, I don't think Martinez would be getting many white cards, but it would be good if it would cancel out an existing yellow card during the game. Yeah, there, there needs to be some sort of reward for the, for all this yeah, fair play. It can't, it, can't, it can't just be, you know, like to get the fair play award. It's like virtue signaling cut a white yeah, card no, for virtue signaling that. or something it's i get the <laughs> idea of like what a white card why they're doing it but the card system's meant to be like a sanction or a punishment if you're going to like reward a team why not sanction a team for something that they do collectively like time wasting you say right you your team has a white card and maybe i don't know you you can have five through a, the first half of the season or through a season and if you get to a certain threshold then you have to i don't know then you start losing points Thank you, Martinez, for rushing to take that goal kick when you're only 1-0 up. Uh, here's, a, here's a white card for that. <laughs> Sounds pointless to me. But yeah, as you say, cards are for, uh, you know, it's punishment. to in- That is meant to encourage better play. Right, any other Villa business? Duran, Jahan Duran. Phil Shaw wrote a little getting-to-know-him type of article on the website. Somebody replied, I don't know if you saw this, Phil. He said, can you tell me if he's... Uh, is it kind of a Wesley type player, as in uh, raw potential talent? Would you see him as a similar kind of acquisition? No, having just like most Villa fans will have not scouted him for years and have watched um, a few videos of him, I'd say there's a bit more sort of like what would you say? He's a bit more lively than Wesley would have been. I refer to him like a Tone. He's more like that. I think he's got more of an edge, more speed to him because you thought Wesley mobile. Wesley was a bit, despite being a big strapping chap he hit the deck and he played dead and he, he wasn't as he didn't have that edge to him did he that kind of fire he wasn't a dominate like a dominating player at all which he probably sort of had the attributes for but you know potentially Samata might be a bit closer but I'm hoping he's not no I'm I'm not I'm not going with Samata I think he's going to be <laughs> better than I'll, I'll stick my neck on the line and say if, if Villa or like a road in it. Villa aren't the team that's going to drop 18 million on somebody and then let them learn their trade in the, the under 23s. He's going to be on the bench and he's going to be coming onto the pitch. Yeah. So, f- for good or for bad, he's he's going to be in the first team squad when you're spending that much money. I'm sort of hoping he's in the sort of realms of Keenan Davis with some finishing ability. 
I'm hoping Ben Tacky, but then ho- hope springs yeah, we eternal. All like don't we? I think he's more getting on the end of stuff rather than mm-hmm. back to goal as in Davis would do and, and help building up play. But he's definitely a nine, isn't he? He's not a he's not a winger. He's a straight down the middle type of guy. But yeah, we shall see. I think getting him was it did enable the Ings uh, move. I mean, there's there's a few factors. If he didn't come in, if Villa was still in the FA Cup. If Ings was probably a year younger, I don't think the Ings move uh, happens. You can read that in exactly what what Emery said in that press conference when he said, you know, the first thing he said, we're out both of the Cups. We're not really in threat of relegation. So it's basically saying this is a dead season. So this is a financially, it works, this deal. So since we haven't actually got anything to gain from a football perspective uh, as a team this season, it, it did did irk me a little bit because I th- thought they would still be you're looking at the table now and you're thinking oh hang on a minute gunning for seventh and you just look at some of the teams who are still above us you know, I've said it a few times now you know Brentford Fulham Brighton come May you do not want to be beneath them and you're thinking uh, but yeah but realistically you're thinking could crack the top six here because we're only three points off it at the moment so would you rather have Ings in your matchday squad trying to crack the top six yes I fucking would that's the bit where that irks me a little bit unless you've got another something up your sleeve which I think they have I've said it a few times and it'd have to be pretty good as well because uh, Ings if you give him game time he he will come up with a decent quota of goals yes well I mean with the players that we've already mentioned in the show that are outgoings, you're that are you're basically your bench fodder. You're going you're going to need players in, so that I think we can expect some more players in this window. But that's the only thing that's interesting here is yeah, I get it, we're at the cups. Uh, I get that Ings is age. Uh, I get he's got one year left on his contract at the end of the season. But hang on a minute, there's actually still if you want to be ambitious, if you and I'm saying only saying if you want to be ambitious based on form under Emery and the kind of calibre of teams we've played which is it's easy 8 out of 10 average isn't it if you look at those 7 games Emery's had in the league so you would say well if he kept this going there's no reason why we shouldn't be knocking on the door when it comes to the European places at the end of the season now if you believe in that then you're thinking well we need Ings because one injury to Watkins and then suddenly the whole thing changes Mm. so that's my you know Emery they've they've got to have behind the fire because Emery did say oh, we're at both of the cups, you know, alluding it's a dead season to a certain extent. I, I think, you know, they're, they're thinking, well, we're going to finish top half here with Emery and, uh, you know, that'll be enough. It'll appease the fans ultimately, first top half finish for, you know, over a decade. But I'm looking at this table and I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to play Leicester because <laughs> I'm seeing Chelsea one point above us. I'm seeing Liverpool I'm seeing Spurs, like let's say the most realistic, the highest up that we could probably claw claw down. And I'm thinking, let's just stamp on all our heads. Yep. I've said a few times, you know, we've got Brighton and Fulham to come to Villa Park. Yeah. Win those, both of those games, and you level on points as as we are as we stand now. Yeah. I don't think we're going to catch United, Newcastle, Manchester City, Arsenal. So I'm not that deluded and deranged. But uh, yeah, the rest are there to be shot at. Yeah. I mean, there's more chance of us uh, getting in the top six, I would say, at the moment, than there was us getting out of the relegation zone uh, with four games to play and the first mm-hmm. season we came up yeah in terms of odds definitely if you're out of the cups you, you want to keep the season alive even if you don't end up achieving you know like a european place or whatever the fans it, it it means you go into next season with like momentum which we haven't had the last 
two sort of summers. We know this after the season where we were you know, top six under Smith and tailed off massively. And then the you know the, the sort of the, the Gerard one. It's like I think if actually people go, wow, we are really cooking here. Yeah, but actually we are at the moment already. So I think this season isn't dead yet. This is this is the whole point about the Danny Ings thing. I mean, this season is not dead. The season is only dead when mathematically you can't get into Europe or you're out of the cups or unless you're battling for relegation or obviously the the league yeah. or the top four places. So there is something to play for here because if you were a neutral now and you look in the league table and you go, right, okay, so th- these are the teams that will be involved in the relegation battle. These are the re- teams that will be involved in top four. These are the teams, Europa League, and you would have to include Villa in the Europa League mix as we stand at this point. Yep. Yeah, we might be bottom of the mix, but we are in the mix. Well, we're only one couple of weeks from complete transformation, like really in the mix. You know, at the moment, as people have said on social media, people, uh, you know, the, the mainstream media and when i say that i mean you know like sky or whatever when they refer to villa they say oh and villa 11 points off the relegation zone so it's you know we're a couple of weeks away from well a couple of rounds a game shall we say from spinning the narrative to a team that's actually chasing europe as we will be mentioned in match of the day and sky sports etc so i don't know this danny ings thing uh we will i think we will know at the end of the transfer window i'm hoping you know in by the time we play Leicester, we kind of go, oh, wow, they've played a blinder here in the last two weeks. We're in a better shape. That was a good move. That's what you want to say. Yeah, because at the moment, we're weaker than we were, is what I would uh, conclude. Yeah. yeah, that bench against Southampton, I would I, I would probably say, was probably the weakest bench we've had all season. When you've got to play two goalkeepers and two kids who've barely had a kit, you've basically got four guys who you have no intention of bringing off the bench. Yes. Yeah, people saying people saying that, oh, Bailey can do a job up front. No, he can't. That's not what we're looking. Bailey's a wide forward. If you're going to split airs there, yeah, we're we're talking about chasing that top six, and we're only three points off it at the moment. So this isn't delusion. This is you've got rid of one of the let's say a good match match day squad player, and you do need to get somebody in because you know you're not playing the ambition game if uh, if that's how it's going to end up. So anyway, we we we'll, we will see the uh, the proof will be in what happened up until uh, the end of January. Right, uh, I think we should leave it there. Unfortunately, the Ings uh, discussion has taken us through the Emery clipboard time, uh, which will return in next week's show. I have no problem staying undefeated in 2023. It's fine. (laughs) Are you undefeated (laughs) in 2023? Wow. Phil's on the march, just like the villa. Right, uh, please do follow the show on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at said, where we keep you in touch with all kinds of things. And if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, do follow the show as well to get updates. In fact, whatever podcast app you use, uh, you should be following the show just to be the first notified when a new show drops. Right, it's a weekend off now. We will be doing a show though, so don't worry about that. There seems to be lots of things bubbling in terms of the transfers. I would like to see us get somebody in for Ings, but uh, as Emery says, uh, only if he improves the matchday squad, but yeah, hopefully they've got a card to play in that respect. Until we find out if they actually play that card, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.